Hi, everyone. Welcome to the DeSuckify Work podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Diana Wu David, a future of work expert based in Hong Kong. So she's literally living in the future. You should really listen to her. You should also listen because she's smart as hell and has done the work. Diana is the founder of Future Proof Lab, where she provides community and coursework that helps senior leaders build a future centered on purpose and impact. She's a coach, consultant, speaker, and the author of the book, Future Proof, Reinventing Work in an Age of Acceleration. All of this building on her career journey from assistant to the late Henry Kissinger to head of faculty at the Financial Times. That's a lot of good stuff to dive into. And dive in, we did. We talk about how and why the world is changing and how to separate the signal from the noise. We talk about taking advantage of the disruption we see right now, making it work for us versus simply surviving it. And we talk about how we can avoid the ick typically associated with personal branding and develop stories that are both authentic and effective. If you're feeling uncertain or apprehensive about the future, Diana is exactly who you need to listen to right now. So let's do that, shall we? Okay, Diana Wu David, welcome to the Desuckify Work podcast. Thank you. Great to be here, TJ. I am very excited to have you here. And there's a lot I think we can get into. Your focus, you know, is really into this world of the future of work and a wonderfully rich area. So we'll give you some time to explore that. But before you do, maybe there's a an opportunity for you to just kind of tell people how you came to be doing this work and, and what you're most passionate about. So when I was in college, I had this very Dilbert-esque aspiration to be a manager. Okay. <laughs> so, not sure where that came from. Uh, none of my parents were in, in business even. So okay. uh, I thought, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to help people mm -hmm. uh, unlock their potential. And you know, I was a hall director in college. Maybe that mm. was something. <laughs> and then... Maybe it was a couple of not so great bosses, but fast forward 20 years, mm -hmm. um, I was a corporate leader uh, with a team across Asia from Australia to India. Mm. Um, and, the, and the thing that mattered most to me was, um, was them. And I spent a lot of time figuring out how to be the best leader that I could be. Mm. And then when I left, I thought, you know, that's what's really getting me up in the morning. And I continued to work and I <clears throat> was um, also teaching uh, at the MBA and a board director level. And people mm -hmm. kept saying, kind of different versions of work's not working for me. Mm -hmm. Things are going so fast. And uh, another theme was demographics. Mm -hmm. I'm getting older and I'm worried that I'm not going to have a place. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I started researching this for my book, Future Proof, Reinventing mm -hmm. Work in an Age of Acceleration, mm -hmm. including a deeply felt experience of, wow, I don't have to work like this. I don't yeah. have to be, you know, grinding and like going up the ladder. Actually, I'm going to live much longer. And there's there's some space here. Mm -hmm. And technology is enabling it. And change in culture is enabling it. And there are companies that are working well. And that set me off on my track. Mm. 
So much good stuff in there. And I think we'll, we'll dive into a bunch of it and we'll definitely touch on the book. I think there's some really great thinking in there that will resonate with a lot of folks. And, and I think, you know, you touched on that, that feeling that work isn't working for me that, you know, if people were feeling that when that was happening and you were having those conversations, I, I feel in many ways, a lot of people are feeling it more now coming out of COVID and, and just the accelerating acceleration, right. In terms of AI suddenly bouncing on the scene way more prominently. Um, you know, what is your POV on the state of work right now? And, you know, if there was a, a suck meter, where does it fall on that meter? So my perspective is um, skewed by the fact that I've been in Hong Kong for mm. 24 years, um, mm -hmm. originally from Arizona and mm -hmm. worked in New York and, and LA and, and really all over because I was in consulting. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm in the future. <laughs> I like that. Tell us, tell us what's going on. Future. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, believe that we have greater expectations mm. so my first job working for kissinger was all the it sucked in all the ways that all work sucks now mm -hmm. it's like i have to you know stay late and there's too much work and nobody cares what i think and all mm -hmm. these things yeah. um and and yet there was also this understanding, this deep understanding that that's what one did mm -hmm. at your first and early jobs in particular, you know, mm -hmm. you pay your dues. Yep. Um, and I think that fast forward to now, um, we still haven't worked out the kinks on some of those things, mm -hmm. but there's a different expectation um, of how it could be, which I think is great because that's where <laughs> change starts. Yeah. Um, so where is the meter? Um, I think it really depends on still who the people are that you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. um, so you think about the stories of um, people being laid off or having to lay off their teams and mm -hmm. then other parts of their teams and then themselves or being, um, you know, technologies enabled bad behavior, people being laid off on a Zoom call in mass. Mm -hmm. Um, those are human behaviors that existed before. Yeah. They're just being brought into the new paradigm, you know, and, um, in ways that just are amplifying some bad parts of human behavior. So mm. that's what I think we're reacting to. Okay. Now we have generative AI, so now we can do more things, but, you know, we can also do more bad things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're recalibrating our human reaction almost to, okay, well, oh, we could lay off a thousand people on Zoom all at once. That would be mm -hmm. efficient. And yeah. then we need to go to the next place, which is, should we do that? We? Yeah. <laughs> and then we should go to, no. <laughs> yes, hopefully that happens pretty quickly. Um, and I love that, that framing that, yeah, these are humanity and our human emotions they kind of, they're kind of steady. We, we've got what we're equipped with and it's these tools enable us to either step into wonderful places or occasionally step into not so wonderful places. And then we need to sort of set norms and expectations around that. I mean, I think, you know, is that something you dig into a lot? Like how to adapt 
sort of our work cultural norms as technology and all these new things kind of come along very rapidly? A hundred percent. I think having a conversation about certainly about what the role is of, you know, the human being, because it is important because people start thinking that it's all about the technology and Mm -hmm. then they forget that so much of it has to do with what their responses are and you know, mm-hmm. their, their sort of human approach. So I, I'm a tech humanist mm. in the sense that I love technology. I love using it. We use mm-hmm. ChatGPT extensively in my business now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, what's important to me is how does that make the individual human being feel at work? How does it mm-hmm. change the way that groups work? How does it changed the way leaders need to lead their people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does change. So I'll give you an example that's not tech related. Okay. Um, we have five generations in the workforce in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And when I was teaching, I, I teach board effectiveness. I teach interpersonal dynamics at the MBA level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've found looking out into you know the future and thinking about all of these big drivers like demographics changing and technology changing and geopolitics and mm-hmm. climate change that one of the most important things that we need to focus on and investments we can make is in interpersonal dynamics and our mm. ability to self-manage in uh, an era where things are volatile mm-hmm. and also um sort of inner mastery for outer impact, <laughs> mm. be able to help the other people uh, around us or have conversations. So mm-hmm. in this class, we had um, half an hour and I said, okay, let's think of some things that are really troubling you. And they brought up specifically, this group of basically middle managers brought up um, the intergenerational piece. Mm-hmm. And they just let loose. They said, oh, my gosh, it's really difficult for me in ways that I never understood. Mm. I always thought it was bad for me because, you know, I have my perspective. But they were saying so hard. We don't know if we'll be able to, you know, gain credibility if somebody that is 20 years older is being helpful to us. We feel like it undermines our credibility, mm. um, not to mention sometimes we have these conversations and we don't have a voice but we mm-hmm. feel like ours is like just open it up and mm-hmm. they didn't know what to do with it. And it felt like it had changed so fast mm-hmm. that they just kind of put it off to the side and said, okay, we're just going to power through and we're not going to think about it. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to figure out, okay, what's the best way for me to be in this situation that's going mm-hmm. to allow us to come together in a team or as a company and go forward better yeah so having that time to do that that's a wonderful question that comes out of that which is how how do you get people to realize they need to make that time to do that because things do move so fast and people think i don't have time to deal with interpersonal dynamics and blah 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 i've got work to do so what what do you, you know, do you tell people a story? Do you, do you find a way in through their own personal 
journey? How do you get people to see that like there's so much value if you do take that time rather than just letting it simmer over here and be this kind of constant noise that gets in the way of you actually doing a good job? Tying it to the end result mm -hmm. is one aspect. Knowing that the more you um, push away the things that are swirling around you, mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, some of it's worthy, right? There's a signal to noise ratio and you really want to focus on the signal. Yeah. When it comes to, to human beings and your relationship to them, the net positive effect of doing mm -hmm. that well is extraordinary in your work. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're just trying to be nice to people. Right. They're, you know, functional. You, everybody's been in a dysfunctional team, right? Mm -hmm. Couldn't get anything done and it sucked. Yep. And so choosing those, you know, maybe battles well or conversations well um, really shifts both the environment as well as um, the result mm -hmm. to a better place. Yeah. And I think we all care about that. And for people who are leaders of a team, I think having those conversations is, you know, in the top five of things that you need to be doing. Mm. Um, and then on a personal basis, being able to have a better time at work because you're not either not letting yourself feel all these, you know, uh, uh, angsty, mm -hmm. cranky things, yeah. um, or you just take care of them, mm -hmm. um, can be a huge change for, for people. Yeah, I can. Yeah. And I imagine it depends on the person, what they're going to resonate more with, right. For some people who are much more kind of results oriented, like helping them see that finish line as like, okay, if I fix the interpersonal stuff, or at least I set up a framework for constantly adjusting and adapting and, and, and being able to, uh, reinvent that relationship that will have the result. And then for others, it might be more like we, we said earlier, like I just keep showing up at work every day and I'm like, it's not feeling right. And wouldn't it be nice if it felt right. And so that story might connect with some of the more, um, what, what do the results look like? I mean, what are, what are people seeing when they do start to fix some of these things? Um, you know, is that showing up as, as bottom line kind of stuff or what are, what are the top things that ultimately resolve from a business perspective? If you really focus on the human side of things. Um, I'll give you an example of somebody who, uh, I worked with who was trying to change, uh, right after the pandemic and, and shift the, I would say shift the culture mm -hmm. um, of the organization from one during the pandemic where from his perspective as a CEO, he said, I've been doing a lot of handholding mm. and making sure everyone is okay. Mm -hmm. And I would like for us to shift as a, as a company, as a senior leader team uh, mm -hmm. to more strategic, a, a more strategic focus. And mm -hmm. I think if we don't do that, 
we're going to die. Like Mm -hmm. in the pandemic, um, they did sports and entertainment. We're talking about filling people with, you know, filling arenas with people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was tough. Business during the pandemic. Not really. Um, And so they had their sort of grace period where it was like, yeah, COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they needed to have this pivot point Mm -hmm. where everybody said, okay, let's go to a place where, you know, we're really, uh, I guess, a game worth playing, you know, that, that mm-hmm. sense, like, what can we focus on? Yep. Um, and they could have gone back to business as usual, mm-hmm. but that would have probably eked out a little bit of growth and it would have been all hands on deck. How can we get people back to the arenas? How can we get things back in person? Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit of that had to happen, but what he wanted to do was focus on the future and get mm-hmm. people rallied around the future. Mm. Um, and so they started um, thinking about what what could the future be, and it mm-hmm. was partly to energize people and get people kind of out of that doldrum of like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're okay, but are we really okay? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. No, it was, um, and to think about things like Web3, because during the pandemic, they had started doing more um, online and and experimenting with Web3 and video games, more video games. Mm-hmm. So they started a working group and um, and spent months kind of thinking through what would be able to get resources from headquarters, um, mm-hmm. specifically for Asia. Mm-hmm. And, and they ultimately got headcount um, and a new direction, which will allow them to not just bubble along and and sort of go okay a couple percentages of growth mm-hmm. but to like go up here and then go you know mm-hmm. go towards whole new revenue streams you know right. being able to sign a a deal for 10 million dollars in one country to mm-hmm. do um different rights for gaming mm-hmm. and on a longer term basis targeting youth so that not only the folks that can get out on a court or you know go out and in the neighborhood and play Mm -hmm. um, but also those at home that can buy into their brand and their sport and their game um, in many different ways Mm. be it you know collecting or video games or getting out there so it, it has the potential to transform their business. It transforms the energy of the people within it. It mm-hmm. transforms the potential for results um, to be far beyond and, and for exponential growth and then longer mm-hmm. term, an entirely new audience. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting and, and illustrative story about what the future can be. Right. And, and there's something you you mentioned, I think you might have mentioned it on your site, but it was this idea that disruption is something you can take advantage of. Uh, you use yeah. that language, which struck me because I think most people are saying, like, how do you navigate disruption? How do you manage disruption? How do you deal with disruption? And you're saying, take advantage of it. And I feel like that story in some ways was an example of that. I mean, are you finding that people are able to embrace this idea that the disruption is actually the thing you should sort of dive into and explore and find opportunity in? 
big companies are set up to extremely efficiently deliver on past promises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's actually my background, right? 30 uh -huh. years of trying to be the entrepreneur and take advantage of disruption uh -huh. because whatever, you know, large company I was with was somebody there was grappling with this idea. Hmm. You know, I worked for Time Warner Publishing uh -huh. in their electronic publishing division uh -huh. uh, in 1995. And uh -huh. Larry Kirschbaum, who then went to work for Amazon, was, is going, hmm, what's happening with books? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so kudos to him. He really did see um, the future coming. And I do think that there are people within organizations who do that. Um, but it's hard because there are so many people who are optimized around how can we deliver on the existing channels and businesses mm -hmm. um, that have already been successful for us, even if they're not growing? Mm -hmm. That's a big mindset shift to ask of people, right? That, you know, because that's how you know how you're going to get the next raise and the next promotion is this if you show up and sort of deal with what's right in front of you and what you're expected to do and what the job description says. So how do you give people a chance to, to see a different possibility where it's not just about what's always been done, but, but what could be done? That is what I feel passionate about doing mm. with my clients, mm -hmm. creating a sense of possibility mm. because in in my work and other people that I've worked with, that's this crucial shift in mentality where you're going, you're at the management meeting. Sorry, I get away from my microphone when I leave that's back. Okay. But, you know, you're so sort far of, I'm hearing you. <laughs> okay. Um, you're at the management meeting. You're kind of leaning back in this mm -hmm. kind of like, now what are they going to say? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. We all Versus, know that. Yeah, uh -huh. um, we all know that feeling versus this um, conversation about what's possible. Uh -huh. And what I see in teams is if we talk about initially what's going to happen if nothing changes uh -huh. and we can be clear about that. And usually it's more of the same and often it's like less, <laughs> you know, because if you just, to a certain extent, and I've been thinking a lot about this because do we really need to grow all the time? And mm. because there is this sort of entropy that happens and because there's disruptors all around us and because mm -hmm. there's inflation, if you're just not, you know, growing at all, if you're not innovating at all, if, I'll give you a very concrete example. I worked at Financial Times newspaper. Okay. If we didn't change at all, we'd mm -hmm. still be printing a newspaper as yep. the major print, you know, revenue from advertising. We mm -hmm. wouldn't even be charging probably for the newspaper much. So right. we would be out of business. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get a group of people to agree 
this is business as usual. Are we all happy with that? Some people mm -hmm. might say yes, but mm -hmm. by and large, people will say, I don't think 1% growth is going to do it or flat mm -hmm. is going to do it or really what we're doing is going to do it. Mm. And then to say, okay, what's possible? Let's, mm -hmm. you know, put our imagineering hats on and think, where would we like to be in 10 years mm -hmm. that would transform the opportunity here? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see people who, you know, part of that um, efficiency drive is competitive between department heads, usually, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> where you're going, okay, let me put that aside. Let me put the turf wars aside. Mm -hmm. And let's just dream a little bit um, about what's possible. And then agreeing on maybe some of the strategic priorities. Okay, mm -hmm. what are the three things that are most important that all of us agree would transform this business? Mm -hmm. and, and then being able to say, okay, how do we reverse engineer that? You know, how do we, we're out there in the future thinking our company in 10 years, we're all here. We're like looking back, we're having champagne toasts and going, oh my God, we did it. Mm -hmm. You know, what has to be true in the next 10 years for that to happen? Hmm. I love that way of thinking about it. You know, find your possibility, find your, your future. And then, yeah. How did we get here? Like, like a wonderful way of thinking about it. Um, and as you talked about that, something started to show up for me because you mentioned like, do we need to grow all the time? And I think a lot of people are contemplating these things about, you know, from a, from a humanity wide perspective. And, and in some ways, when you start thinking about the work you're doing and this idea of the future of work, it, it's sort of inextricably linked with the future of humanity. Because where we choose to focus our energy for work, um, how we choose to spend our time, the problems we're choosing to solve, that that all happens through work. Um, and, you know, one, what's your take on that? And two, do people see that that you're working with or do they sort of do their eyes open up at some point and realize like they're sort of creating the future, not just the future of their company? I, not all do, mm -hmm. um, but I have a secret society that does. <laughs> I like the sound of that. I like secret societies. Yeah. Yeah. I work, um, since the, the publish, the publication of Future Proof, mm -hmm. um, I work with senior, largely senior leaders who are going from success to significance. Mm. And they go through a process, which is largely based on the book. I mean, it, it, I'm making it sound extremely um, intriguing when the reality is I published the book and they were like, can we get together and work on this together? And I said, <laughs> sure. Yep, <laughs> That's our secret society. But mm -hmm. we go through this grounding on um, values mm -hmm. and our why. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about new narratives and network. And really what you're, what you brought up, this idea that we're changing the world, that we're changing humanity mm -hmm. is a deeply held value for me, which mm -hmm. is that, you know, when 
work is done right, we can focus on uh, the world's biggest problems. And those are those are opportunities. Those are business opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's largely informed by Michael Porter's creating shared value article on this this movement mm. um, of shared value, which is, you know, p- perhaps idealistic. The world's mm-hmm. biggest problems are the world's biggest opportunities. And, yeah. you know, you can gain competitive advantage that way. Mm-hmm. But I like the framing. And a lot yeah. of really large companies are doing it mm. um, in ways that are kind of on the edges now, but mm-hmm. are starting to be more and more ingrained, like mm-hmm. Nestle thinking, you know, is there a way for us to um, take some of the like bullion that we're selling in different markets and enhance it with nutrition and vitamins that can mm-hmm. help address health issues um, specific to to location, let's say in India or um, Indonesia, mm-hmm. and and have that also be something that because you know because of that, we are the brand of choice mm. among people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe, and the the folks in this community, the future proof community, also are they're kind of trying to find their their problem, their like mm. juicy bit to work on, and yeah. the connection between what they know how to do, their experience and values, and then connect it to, you know, what they'd like to work on and how. Mm-hmm. Be it starting an NGO or doing it within their corporate. Um, uh, touching, mentoring young people, whatever it is mm-hmm. um, that they're going to do to make their dent in the universe, um, then that's what they do. Mm. And I, I think a lot about that because I do it with a group of people that's super passionate. Mm-hmm. But imagine for one moment mm-hmm. if everybody in every company had that opportunity. Yeah. To say what what is it that I really care about? You know, mm-hmm. how do I connect that to my work? Because you can get potentially you can have more impact mm-hmm. within an organizational structure. Right. Yeah. You've got you've got all that infrastructure waiting for you to be tapped into, and it's it's funny. It reminds me when I've worked at a couple of places, we've had a few folks who would get these conversations going around, kind of like, what if? What if we did this? What if we did this? And I think what was missing, and it may be that your secret society model might be the right model to inject into companies to sort of (laughs) operationalize that thinking a little bit more, meaning, you know, we can go sit in a conference room and what if all afternoon, but if there isn't some mechanism to, to get it to the, the full scope of everybody who might have a hand in actually doing something with it, it, it can, it can be just dreaming, which you know, and I like the notion that what you're doing, you know, it does tap into that idealistic side, which I definitely have. So it like completely resonates with me, but it also taps into, you know, talking about the, the human nature stuff that remains true, the opportunistic side, right? And there are folks who will, who will see the idealist vision swirling around and go, oh, I know exactly how to package that, turn it into a thing, make money off of it and then scale it and then go on to the next thing. And so you need sort of all sides of our humanity to, 
to attack some of these challenges and problems and turn them into opportunities. So in this, this world that, that you're creating, the, the Future Proof Lab and your, your, your book and some of the coaching and speaking you're doing, is that part of your, your mission to kind of scale this, this insight and this idea of giving people a chance to, to take on some of the bigger problems? So it's to scale a sense of possibility. Mm. And that that's a great question, TJ, because I'm 100% the what if person, you know, mm -hmm. that I could what if all day. Yeah. Um, but I've also managed P&Ls in big companies mm -hmm. across multiple markets. So I can see... Um, I've spent my whole life thinking about that. And so mm -hmm. one of the things I would say is just the create a sense of possibility part of it is important because so many people, I think, I don't know, I, I feel beaten down and like, oh, mm -hmm. whatever, I'll just do my job. Uh -huh. Just do like whatever's been asked from mm -hmm. me or, you know. Yeah. So just to say, what about this new future, you know, mm -hmm. that allows you to get excited again and see where um, we could work together and mm -hmm. rise above <laughs> what, you know, the, the crap <laughs> uh -huh. and, yeah. and have a vision that's worth pursuing together where... Mm -hmm not going to be easy and it's not that we're we're gonna you know not argue mm -hmm. but we're gonna have a goal that's higher and better than ourselves mm -hmm. you know that um allows us to have motivation to weather that storm and it's connected to what we care about and, and what's possible in the world mm -hmm. so there is that aspect that that mm -hmm. fundamentally i believe you know, and great leaders do this. Like they sit, they craft that vision. Mm -hmm. um, they make financial times was like that. Like we oh, yeah. help people make better business decisions mm -hmm. and people want to be there because they believe in that. And there's a, a real sense of integrity mm. um, around the work that we do. Yeah. And, you know, I think so in a way that that's not futuristic, it's sort of grounding deeply in the values of the organization and then mm -hmm. aspiring to what's possible. And then in terms of the, you know, yes, you got to get people to package it and figure out how to make money with it and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Right. Um, that is a corporate innovation um, process, really, that I talk mm -hmm. about in my book as it relates to our careers, mm -hmm. which is what is the small experiment that we're willing to take? You know, what is the discovery driven um, strategy that we want to have around that? You know, here's mm -hmm. a, here is, I did a, a failed strategy um, where we wanted to have, uh, we wanted to digitize media for airplanes. And I went mm -hmm. into Singapore airlines, you know, had to have like security clearance. It was their, <laughs> this was their uh, airline that had been kind of laid out and they had in-flight entertainment and they had other stuff. So 
you know, we went to this warehouse and tried to figure out how it might work and it would have less weight on the planes and therefore less fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, such a small thing, but you multiply it over thousands of airplanes and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It, it was an important opportunity. And for us, it was a new potential revenue stream. Mm -hmm. Um, largely a failure. We thought it would be like, great, we'll make the money and none of us will have to pay extra pool. We won't even have to print the newspapers. You know, mm-hmm. they do have it, I think now, but um, those kind of small things like, well, let's mm-hmm. try it. Let's do something. Let's see if it's possible mm-hmm. and maybe even work with partners or an ecosystem who can come together so that it's not all, you know, a tremendous high cost multi-year mm-hmm. risk. Yeah. And then let's learn from that and test our assumptions and then go to the next, you know, d- different companies have different ways of doing it. The next, you know, design sprint or the next customer oriented um, experiment that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And those things um, are things that often go go ahead in very small parts of the organization Mm-hmm. I would say having structures for a lot of the people in the organization to embrace the spirit of experimentation mm-hmm. is something that gives people a lot of sense of possibility. It starts to make them think in that way and mm-hmm. build that muscle. Yeah. I mean, as I hear that, I think that in many ways, that's that's the missing link in a lot of this for people who might be thinking about what's possible. You know, they they can't quite figure out a way to test it. You know, it's just not built into the ecosystem they're within. And so finding a way to set up a path towards experimentation, even if it is small, is, is this wonderful gift. And, and to come back to the possibility thing, I love the idea that that alone is is kind of a nice thing you can do. And it's a wonderful gift to give to people who work on your team or who work in your organization, right? The people who are feeling like, oh, I just, I guess I'll just do my job today. Just giving them, them ch- that chance to think about possibility is a wonderful thing. And then giving them an opportunity to test and learn about it through experimentation is how it starts to come together and it actually starts building things. Um, I wanted to come back to your book because you talked a little bit about some of the pieces from your book. And one of the things that struck me about your book is just honestly the, the very, the, the structure of it. it, it breaks it down into three parts and they're very clear and simple, right? You know, you have part one, which is learn how and why the world of work is changing, which is already, I think a lot of people are like, God, I'd really like to know that because I think a lot of people just feel so damn confused. Right. And then there's, cultivate the virtues needed to stay engaged and relevant. And I, I think that word virtues is really interesting there because I think we tend to think in terms of skills, right? What mm. skills do I need to keep up? And I'm sure there are skills that we'll have to develop, but the idea that there's virtues kind of behind all that is really wonderful. And then maximizing the impact of your actions um, is the is that final section of the book that, you know, I think a lot of people don't quite know how to do that. You know, and that, you know, and so if I, if I, if I look at the book and I go, I'm going to come away with those three things, that sounds both really simple and straightforward and really powerful. Um, one, is it as simple as I'm, per, you know, showing it to be? And two, 
when when you bring that approach to people who have read the book and now they come into your 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 future proof lab and the secret society and want to work on this how, <laughs> how how does it all actually come together in practice well one of the things my my own experiment i guess is that secret society because mm -hmm. I interviewed a hundred people for the book. Mm -hmm. Now, this kind of started when I was teaching a board director program, which I launched as a new revenue stream to counter mm -hmm. print and <laughs> declining print advertising and, and mm -hmm. content revenue. Mm -hmm. And they would say to me, Diana, you know, I'm 50 years old or 55, and I've been really successful. And I feel like retirement age for in my company is five years off. And I feel like I have so much more to do and mm. so much more to give. Mm -hmm. And so I said, wow, yeah, I have absolutely no idea what to tell you <laughs> is what I was thinking. Um, but it's an interesting question. Mm -hmm. So I did a fair bit of research on it uh, and then interviewed a hundred people uh, mm -hmm which is maybe like you with your podcast, your go-to move yep. <laughs> and synthesize the findings. Mm -hmm. And since then I've gotten to witness the um, journey of a hundred more people who mm -hmm. go through, you know, future proof lab mm -hmm. and try to do that. So understanding what's going on in the world of work is something you know that of course we want to know and we want to do and a lot of people who are you know c level um c suite level you know top of the organization said i've thought about this for my business but mm -hmm. i haven't thought about it for myself mm. so it's just a, an opportunity to to take a moment to say okay let's like let's figure out where all of this is going and, you know, demographics are changing and technology is changing. But um, Amara's law, for instance, says that we always overestimate what's happening and the technological change and its impact in the mm. short term, but we underestimate it in the long term. Mm. So we're running around like chickens with their heads cut off about generative AI going, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, is it going to change my business this year? Mm -hmm. Probably not in 10 mm -hmm. years, probably transform it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that first part, I think people are, they need to figure out a way to filter information mm -hmm. to understand where things are going. And that's, a. I mean, I work with clients in terms of that and, you know, giving them a sense of where things are going. Mm -hmm. The middle part, cultivating virtues mm. of um, experimentation and grounding in your values and gaining focus. And mm -hmm. um, that's iterative. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, my secret society is a community of practice mm. whereby they learn the tools to understand and focus on values. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people do that you know, every six months, uh, wow. and they think about their personal brand and their new narratives mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis with other people who are also interested in that and can give them support, challenge, feedback, mm -hmm. inspiration. 
Mm. Um, and that leads to the maximizing the impact, which I mm -hmm. guess is, is the iterative part. I, that's the thing that's often people find surprising is they go through this process where they, they have time, they carve out time mm -hmm. to really think about how they want to contribute in the world. Mm -hmm. And then they, they just go again and again, you know, I, I did this and I tried it and it didn't work. And what do you think about another way? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, do I need to tweak the message? Do, and then of course, meanwhile, the world moves on, right? New, mm -hmm. um, opportunities arise, new problems arise. We learn things about ourselves and, you know, we meet new people. And so, um, I guess that the nice thing about it all is that that journey is um, you have a community of people you can fall back on mm -hmm. when things go well or when things go poorly mm -hmm. um, that allows you to do, to manifest your possibility. Yeah. I, that community is what I think what jumps out to me the most as I kind of looked at a lot of the stuff on your site and in your book. It's like, I think people maybe feel a bit lost these days and not just lost because of all the change, but it's like, who do I talk to about some of this stuff? And whether you're somebody who's, you know, like me has decided to kind of go on your own and now you don't have anybody around you having community helps, but even like, I could be in a really large organization and first of all, if I'm at the top, I never really have anybody I feel like I can talk to and I need somebody, some folks who get it. But also like you don't always want to show up that way, like uncertain, uh, you know, exploring, experimenting to people who need you, who you think need you to be certain and have it all yeah. figured out. So I think a lot of people are craving a community that is more than simply the people I work with, but a community that is people who share some of the the values and virtues that that I'm trying to explore and can can allow me to sit in that space of experimentation and failure and then learning from that failure. What do I do now? And, you know, and having that supportive community, I, I honestly think in many ways that's the biggest thing the world of work needs right now is is community or communities uh, that provide that kind of support. Have you found people feeling similarly as they go through some of the stuff you do? Yes. I see this model of um, people coming together. Sometimes it's around a topic. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people in Future Proof Lab that are very passionate about sustainability, mm -hmm. for instance. You can see clusters forming when people think about what, what would I like to contribute? You know, mm -hmm. what are the big issues? Um, mm -hmm. And some of them also will have networks of people who are working on that one issue maybe mm -hmm. they're in different companies mm -hmm. um maybe you know they're across startups and government and public and private mm -hmm. uh, but they all come together to say i'm continually trying to go forward and 
and chip away at this issue because it's a complex, um, you know, system that Mm -hmm. has many parts. Yeah. Um, So I do see that around issues, Mm -hmm. um, less so around industry. I mean, I haven't been a part of, say, you know, the um, advertising association or whatnot. I don't see Mm -hmm. people because that's work. That's where you're working and you're trying Mm -hmm. to impress people. And you want to say how great you are so that maybe your colleague says, oh, there's an opening and you get to have a promotion Uh to another company. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes, you know, in the bar late at night when everybody's tired after an event. Yeah. Get some of that realness. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's something there. There's I've researched decentralized autonomous organizations and Mm -hmm. and i've been looking at new ways of working Mm -hmm. because i do see how valuable it is for people to have a place to come to to it's you know to work on themselves Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's a vulnerability that that needs to happen when you work on yourself if you're really doing it and So many of our natural communities don't, it's not comfortable to be that vulnerable. So setting up a a space, whether it is people aligned around an issue, maybe around an industry, I could see a lot of value certainly coming from the world of advertising to have a group of people who could really work on themselves, but also with this shared idea that that industry could be so much better um, and that that industry in many ways fights that that uh that law you brought up which is the the technology currently feels like life or death in an industry Mm -hmm. like advertising and we need to get on top of chat gpt we need to do this but sometimes that longer term strategic stuff goes by the wayside as we're chasing stuff and you know it makes me wonder how can you give people the tools the virtues the skills they need to to sort of discern the, that signal from the noise, you know, as, as we see all these different trends and all these different things showing up and, and we all want to not be left behind, but how do we not find ourselves just chasing all these things that are small in the short term? And how do we see the big in the longer term? I've written a lot about that because mm. companies and individuals are are t- grappling with maybe all the change, but I would say as a first step, all the information about mm. the changes. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> to begin with. So I have set myself up because I love knowing all the things that are coming. I've set mm-hmm. myself up in a career and with a company that whose business it is to do that. So in, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, people come to me because I'm synthesizing all that information. Mm. But importantly, in terms of them synth- synthesizing the information that's coming through, being um, clever about what what is the lens that you use? What is the most important thing for your company? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I think also um, that having groups of people within the company mm-hmm. that can be that 
um, your internal futurists that can, mm. you know, sometimes people have like one person who's, you know, the strategy person, or they subscribe to an ag information aggregation or whatever it mm -hmm. is, or it's the CTO finding out about tech. Mm -hmm. There are so many companies I've worked with that say, oh, well, we're thinking about doing Web3. And instead of going to the CTO, they put a call out to all these people and say, what if we put together a group of 10 people? Are there people within the organization that are interested? You've mm. got like, you know, somebody in your supply chain department who is spending five hours a night mm -hmm. deep yeah. into these yeah. technologies. And yeah. they're like, oh, we didn't know we had all this expertise. Mm. So bringing those people in to say, okay, this is going to be our signals group. What are all mm -hmm. the signals that are coming mm -hmm. in this in future foresight? The idea of a signal is um, evidence of a larger trend that can mm -hmm. impact our business that's mm -hmm. happening now that, mm -hmm. you know, that could be an interesting example of what happens in 10 years when, you know, the trend we've talked about Mm -hmm. let's say it's the sports and the video games becomes mm -hmm. mass and mainstream mm. um, and having that group of people come together and say, well, what are some of the interesting things that we um, discovered this month and um, have a conversation about which ones do we really think might impact our business mm -hmm. and what, what now that's sort of what, so what now, what, Mm -hmm. um, what could we do to test our assumptions or is there a way that we can incorporate this into one of our businesses mm -hmm. or pilot it, mm -hmm. um, or partner mm -hmm. to see if this could be, if there's something there. Yeah. Um, and so that process I've found has been really interesting for my clients and it's not, you know, super expensive. It's, about finding some uh, some folks in your business to be looking out at that change mm -hmm. and at the possibilities in particular i would say around technology but that hits you know business models and it hits mm -hmm. um it can be any change really yeah i mean you talked about sustainability like who's paying attention to what's happening there and i think the the thing that really struck me there i mean there was a few things honestly like but the notion that I don't know that there are people in my organization who have these interests or these skill sets. And it just got me thinking about how prevalent and how big of a thing that might be and how just helping clients to understand that just because you have somebody who maybe works in some department in the supply chain division, that that's not all they know. And that there can be means of tapping into this 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 well of knowledge and insight and enthusiasm for so many things that yeah our first instinct might be like i need to bring a consultant in i need to do this i need to do that versus now let's tap into the resources we have i mean it almost feels like that that's a virtue you should have as a leader as you're moving through a world of rapid change that you need to figure out how to tap into all the awesomeness that you might have within your organization. Is that something you talk about with, with clients? I, I do. I'm interested in the ways that you can think about that possibility. I mean, hmm. oftentimes if we've 
gone through the exercise of deciding what the possibility is and the strategic mm -hmm. um, goals, if that is something that can be in service of those goals, mm -hmm. um, it's definitely one of the the aspects because you need a whole organization, frankly, mm -hmm. to change. Yeah, if you want to have new possibilities, you can't mm -hmm. just have senior leadership, and we've all seen it. Yeah, go, this is it. This is what we're going to do. So oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, it's a process of deciding that, and then having smaller groups um, across the organization to talk about if this is the new possibility what does it mean for our for the way that we are working mm. what new ways new behaviors or new ways of working will we need to adopt in order to make this possible mm. um so i i think that it needs to be throughout the organization mm -hmm. but each organization is different you know one organization i worked with said yeah let's have people um, you asked about time, for instance, you mm -hmm. know, these guys said, we can have a bunch of people get together once a month and mm -hmm. do some of these, um, you know, almost catalyze these experiments. Mm -hmm. Others are doing 20% time, you know, mm -hmm. where they say that I'll let you um, create your own experiments mm -hmm. and potentially they'll be in service of the company. And if they aren't, then in a way it's back to that like i've i've allowed you the time to create that sense of possibility to create that forward looking mm -hmm. idea um of where we're going and what's possible yeah i mean i think some of that so much of that is is just getting the mindset shifted around that right from what we talked about earlier which is i'm just doing the thing that's right in front of me and everybody sort of knows how to do that to creating an organization and a culture and maybe tapping into things like values and purpose, which you mentioned, that gets everybody excited and aligned around a culture of experimentation. Um, I, I think that's one of like one of these other really big needs right now, because I think a lot of people are stuck. They're just almost immobilized by the combination of all we've been through in the last few years. And then this hazy sort of slightly scary future that they don't quite know how to step into and when you create a culture of experimentation it's like you don't have to leap that far into the future just take these little micro steps in with these experiments and then we'll not only probably learn more and be more successful but it, then the big leaps will happen over time after multiple experiments but i think people feel threatened by way out there and so they don't know how to even take that first step. So I love the 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 inspiration you're creating for people to create a culture that I think will be much more uh, likely to succeed in marching into the future with optimism and possibility. I mean, I really love that. Um, one thing that you mentioned also that I wanted to ask about is this idea of kind of the personal brand side of things. So, you know, I'm working in an organization that's doing some of this stuff. I love it, but I still see some need for myself to to sort of be ready for what's next. And like you said, maybe it's because of, of my, uh, some demographic thing or whatever, but how do you help people step into this idea of personal branding in a way 
That feels really authentic. I think, you know, you, you hear the phrase personal brand and for some people they go, they almost have an ick reaction Ew. because it's just like, <laughs> I'm a yeah. person, I'm not a brand. That's, that's weird. Um, and then it ends up feeling very surfacey, like, you know, I'm the blank blank person and that's it. It's like, like no depth to it. How do you allow people to step into this idea of personal branding in a way that allows them to bring all of the the juicy depth that lies within them into this personal brand. So fundamentally, my vision of the future of work is that we have a long work span. We have a long, healthy lifespan. Mm -hmm. We have a long work span. Mm -hmm. And InnoSight talks about the fact that the lifespan of companies is shrinking while our mm. lifespan is increasing. Mm. Um, and so you are going to have many different jobs and you're going to have many different, um, I guess, you know, different focuses or mm. foci mm -hmm. across your career. So mm. in order to have agency, you need to reclaim your narrative. And mm. one of the things we do that makes us feel safe is we um, sometimes rigidly hold on to an identity as mm -hmm. generally our job title or our, you know, function as an accountant or an ad exec or whatever it is mm -hmm. in a way that outlives its purpose. <laughs> yeah. So, so thinking of that, um, and thinking about this long career, I believe that the idea of a personal narrative mm -hmm. is something, one of the skills is to cultivate this sense of who am I? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful journey. Like, yeah. what, what else are we going to do with this one person's <laughs> life except for to sort of say, what am I doing? What is mm -hmm. this big, you know, what is life all about? What is this big, mm -hmm. long journey I'm on? Yep. So, um, so that to me is, um, it's a process of discovering your values mm -hmm. and understanding how those manifest in the world. Mm -hmm. So if one of my values, which will come as no surprise to you, TJ, <laughs> is strengthening community. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and another one is learning. Mm -hmm. And the biggest learning for me was uh, not just what those real core values were, but that other people didn't share them. <laughs> mm, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of I was on the board um, and I was vice chair and my chair said, Diana, you have to remember, not everybody is as curious about everything <laughs> as you are. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, okay. but why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that piques my curiosity. <laughs> exactly. So, so this mm -hmm. person, if you think of it from that as, you know, mm -hmm. what is it, what is the work that I want to do in the world mm -hmm. and how can I do that? Then being able to um, talk to people about all of the work that I do, strengthening communities and the passion I have for it and the ideas I have around it. Mm hmm creates opportunities for mm -hmm. me to do work in that space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about the work we do on personal brand as constantly um, 
rethinking the larger arc of our mm -hmm. lives and our work lives mm -hmm. and what we can do. And, you know, within that, um, sort of changing what that immediate picture looks like, like a kaleidoscope, like you, you get, a, maybe you get a degree, maybe you work on a fabulous advertising campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you join a startup and go through the, you know, ups and downs of um, trying to bring a new product to the market. Mm -hmm. And all those experiences form the, the experience, the um, skills, the virtues that you have. Mm -hmm. And then it's like a kaleidoscope. It's like you you turn the thing and all of a sudden the picture changes. Mm -hmm. And so this idea for me, I don't know if it's so much about personal brand, but it is. I think it kind of works. It's like, mm -hmm. now what does the picture look like? Yeah. What is the Diana of today or the TJ of tomorrow mm -hmm. have to offer? Yeah. It's always changing and we mm -hmm. have to constantly update it mm -hmm. grounded in this let's say brand promise i'm only talking to you this way because i know you're in advertising <laughs> but, I, get I get it but you know it's like mm -hmm. this is this is what i'm about this is what i can can give you i'm all mm -hmm. about community and i'm all about possibility and learning and curiosity mm -hmm. um, those are kind of deep timeless values mm -hmm. but guess what you know i 15 years ago, I'd never given a speech in my life. And now one of the possibilities for me to help a company is I can get up on stage and speak to 2000 people. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of this new manifestation of what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. um, and for everybody, that idea of your personal brand is, you know, what is what is most important to me? How can I contribute? And then how do I tell the story of how I can contribute yeah. so that we can work together? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's Great like, that, that's the, the story, the narrative. I mean, on some level, maybe working in advertising, I hear this more than others, but I think we all kind of understand the idea that we learn through stories. You know, yeah. um, we don't learn by just seeing the bullet points of something, right? So, you know, if our resume is roughly the bullet points of something, um, what is the story that emerges from that resume? And that's how you can connect with other people who go, Ooh, I need what, what you do, um, where I might not see that on the resume. And that's, that starts to feel like a really wonderful framing of personal branding. That is less sort of like, I'm trying to be some sort of guru kind of a thing. And more like, I just want to tell you the story of who I am and how my experiences have shaped me. And this is how I'm showing up in the world today and talk to me in six months and I'll be showing up in a slightly different way. And that will continue forever. It's a really uh, much more accessible and I think relatable framing versus what many people may have in their head, which is something that feels a little slick and off-putting. So I love the way you pull all of that together around story. Really cool. Um, I know we've been we going for a while here, so I want to try to wrap ourselves up here. There's a few things I'd love to ask. Um, you know, I, I, I feel this already, but I do want to ask, like, are you optimistic about the state of work and the future of work and where we're headed? Very optimistic. Mm. Long term optimistic. Mm. Short term. I think there will be turbulence ahead mm -hmm. 
because people are still going to work thinking that nothing's going to change. And a small subset that I get to work with Mm -hmm. feels like change is coming and there's opportunity in that Mm -hmm. to take advantage of disruption. Mm -hmm. There are still a lot of people that I speak to who don't understand why we can't go back to the same way it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe you can, it's just that I don't believe it. So I, I don't work with people to try and go back 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I I tend to agree with you that that's probably not the best path, but for some people it might be the path they need right now and that's okay. But I think I share your sort of long-term optimism and I share the, the fact that it's going to take a lot of folks doing what you do and what I'm trying to do with this whole desuckify work thing, which is just everybody coming at it from their perspective to, to find those people who are at least willing to hear this idea that there is a way forward. It could be a wonderful way forward. It will take some work and, and let's get into it. I think that starts to paint a picture that a lot of people can, can feel like I'm going to join that group. Um, And that leads me to my next question, which is if you could sort of wave a magic wand right now, what would this sort of fully desuckified work world look like to you? If I could wave a magic wand, and I did um, a fun keynote on this, Mm. (laughs) generative, it was called My Day, Little M, Big AI, and Mm -hmm. it was a world in which generative AI and, and I guess AI and more generally mm-hmm. <laughs> did so much of the work that we reclaimed more of our time. Did so mm-hmm. much of the sort of, you know, in particular, the grunt work, mm-hmm. like my expenses, yep. um, that, that we could reclaim our time for, um, collaboration and ideas and, conversations mm-hmm. with our colleagues mm. and that yeah. that intrigues me so my day was as if we had suddenly an extra day a completely blank an extra day in our work week mm-hmm. and invited everybody to think what would you do mm-hmm. if you had an extra day you still get your weekends but you get this extra day. You could do self-care. You could, mm-hmm. you know, go into a new market that you never had time to. Mm-hmm. You could spend the time on strategy or creativity or team bonding or mm-hmm. helping people in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, what what would you as a leader allow or what would be exciting for you mm. in your company to do with that day? Yeah. I mean, I think as soon as you say that, it's kind of like on my best, most optimistic days, that is exactly what I think AI can do and should do. And I think that's actually the link that I like trying to draw, which is we sort of presume it's completely out of our control and maybe to some degree it could be, but coming back to this idea that, that we're, we're building the future. And if enough people 
rally around this idea like that's a wonderful vision for the future okay how do we make that happen how do we make the choices that that turn ai into this way of supporting a more fully lived human experience as opposed to some dystopian version that people are afraid of it it won't just happen we have to step into that and figure out how to do it and i i think i think we can maybe because i am sort of very much optimistic um but it will take a lot of work and it won't be always super pretty in the meantime, but um, I think it will be fun to try to figure out. So I, I share some of yeah. that, that vision for sure. Um, to kind of take the tone down from super big and heavy to something super light, <laughs> I, uh, I, I always love to ask people, uh, I use sound effects in my show, mostly cats and goofy, stupid stuff. Um, and so I always ask if somebody's willing to, to, to make some kind of sound effect that I can weave into the, to the show somehow and keep in, in the, the library. Do you have anything that you'd be willing to share with us? You asked me what sound would be associated with this new future of work. Mm. And what I thought immediately was, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and let me unpack that for you because it's yeah. not eh, about that future of work. Mm -hmm. To me, the sound that happens when we are in this magic wand, perfect work mm -hmm. is we have the safety and the opportunity to, to argue mm -hmm. in a constructive way mm. to say, that's cool but I don't like it. Or let's think of something else to like mm -hmm. kind of bring back, um, you know, in in my board work, I call it productive descent. Mm. I don't use that sound <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe maybe but, it might work. You never know. Yeah. But you know that like mm -hmm. what you said, fun, like yeah. let's talk about what's possible. Here's mm -hmm. my idea. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Oh my gosh. It's, it's funny because I think in an effort sometimes to, to create a, a safe work environment, the, you can go into an extreme that basically says, we don't want any disagreement as opposed yeah. to disagree around ideas but be kind to the fellow humans who you're disagreeing with, right? So yeah, you could say, eh, I don't love that idea. Still love you, you're wonderful, but we yeah. all have ideas that, that we're not all gonna love once in a while. And certainly in the world that I came from, that, was, that sound was probably made 500 times a day. You'd be like, what about this? Eh. Like, but it didn't defeat That's you. Right. It was like, what else yeah. can I think of? Or if it's not that, what would make it better? And then you just, like spin into just joyful exploration and that's like god i love that sound effect it was very unexpected i think uh and i, and I, and I love the story behind it so that's really awesome um before we do sign off the one thing i also like to ask obviously is how do people find you because i think the work you're doing is wonderful um and i want people to to know about you and hopefully find ways to work with you so what's the the best ways to to find you out out in the world um, so we have our secret society website, not so secret, <laughs> is futureprooflab.com. Okay. And we have an assessment that I that goes to the heart of this matter, 
mm-hmm. a future ready assessment that mm-hmm. you can download there oh, nice. um, for individuals to think about do I have the community or the resources or the mindset or the virtues mm-hmm. to be future ready? Yeah. So that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And then for my um, speaking, I also have dianawudavid.com. Okay. Um, which has some other videos and, and mm-hmm. some uh, information from when I launched my book. So awesome. those are the two places to find me. And then I guess on LinkedIn, because I'm, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's always good. And then, uh, yeah, I think a lot of times that's where people go to first. But I've, I've, I've been on both of your sites. They're wonderful. There's lots of good, juicy stuff in there that you can explore. Um, well, Diana, I just want to thank you for a wonderful conversation. I'm, I'm very uh, wound up by this conversation because it's the kind of stuff that just gets me so excited. So thank you certainly for me. And I think when people get a chance to watch and or listen, um, I think they'll have a similar experience. So thank you so much for coming on the Desuckify Work podcast. Thanks so much, TJ. Great conversation. You gave me lots of food for thought as well. Awesome. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Desuckify Work podcast. And thanks to Diana for being an enlightening and engaging guest. You can follow Diana on LinkedIn and Instagram and learn more about the work she does at dianawudavid.com and futureprooflab.com. She's awesome and you will be more awesome for connecting with her. If you're interested in learning more about the work I do, please check out thepuddingfactory.net. And if you like the podcast, please follow us on Substack and YouTube and tell your friends, even your enemies. I hope we didn't make any enemies today. Bye, everyone.